Hi, I'm Richard O'Brien. It's the 18th of May at 5.40pm, and this is Now Here We Are 30 Years Later, a memoir in Mountain Goat Songs. Each episode looks at a year in my life through the lens of a song by John Darnielle. Today, it's 2004, and the song is Against Pollution. One. I'm looking for one specific live version of Against Pollution. It's the one where John Daniel's voice leaps and catches on the phrase in the song that, some days, seems to unlock everything about it. I thought it happened in 2004, but I was wrong. 2. There are no live versions of Against Pollution online from 2004, the year it was released, or the year or two earlier when it could have been written. The first I find is 2005 in Chicago, and that isn't right. That is this at all. 3. The phrase I want to hear is praying the rosary, because in this performance Daniel invests it with real, feral force, like it isn't a meditative bead-counting exercise, but something that can save your life. Something just came over me can sound casual. This doesn't. 4. But there are more powerful ways a spiritual impulse might come over you. It could feel like an enormous emotion, like something trying to get in, the pressure of gigantic wings against the glass, as it does to the teenage gangster Pinky in Brighton Rock. 5. Graham Greene's protagonist, just before this, has consummated a sham marriage to help hide a murder. An unexpected tenderness for Rose, to whom he has lost his soured virginity, calls to mind the confession, the penance and the sacrament, the huge havoc of belief. 6. He withstood it. Nonetheless, the feeling was there, up against the glass. That's how religion looks to me in most of the Mountain Goat songs before this one. Something hovering around the music, and occasionally making its looming presence felt. Hail Satan. Set the table. 7. The idols being dusted off in Elijah connect the song to John's Hare Krishna practice at the time it was written, though its subject is a Jewish prophet. And the prayer beads he was counting in Kolo must have reminded him of earlier devotional exercises. 8. Daniel began life in the Catholic Church, and has a fond memory of a Catholic schoolteacher helping him cut up his steak, aged four. He left the faith in the course of his parents' divorce. He found his way back, and away, and back again. 9. As I write this, I'm listening to two songs in a loop. Against Pollution and Whole Wide World, the 1995 Sweden Cup, from which Daniel segued into the former, surprising himself along with his bandmates, during the Mountain Goat's first post-lockdown tour in August 2021. 10. What these songs share most obviously, as Liz Hamilton pointed out when I started a thread about this question on the Mountain Goat's Facebook group, is a certain looping quality, rocking back and forth between the first and fourth chords in their keys. Tension. Release. 11. Both also deal with long-lasting repercussions, with repetition, with forward movement, with self-recognition. I toggle between the lyrics, when the last of the repercussions died off real slow. When I worked down at the liquor store, guy with a shotgun came raging through the place. 12. Raging might introduce another touch of biblical flair. King Herod comes raging to massacre the innocents in a carol for a medieval mystery play. Against Pollution's narrator seems to be acting in self-defence, tried to kill me, so I shot him in the face. 13. 
In the same situation, he would do it again. Would his choice be divinely vindicated? The chorus, adding the song's only remaining chord change, reaches towards the last days in which we will see ourselves for the first time the way we really are. 14. Those days are deferred for the duration of the song. Just beyond it, on its horizon every time I hit repeat. And yet time moves forward, if mysteriously. In the absence of rain, decorative grating on my window gets a little rustier every year. 15. That grating rusting and the 45 minutes in the pews praying the rosary are the only two things to occur in the song between Daniel's narrator's first act and his final defence of it. Sometimes they happen in a different order. What does that change? This is the ship of 16. The verses switch in the live performance I was seeking, for which I listened to version after version. The grating, then the chorus, then the instrumental. The monotony of the pews, five minutes short of a clinical hour. Then the shout, the jolt of recognition. 17. It was recorded at the 40 Watt Club on August 10th, 2006, in Athens, Georgia, where R.E.M. formed, though this rendition has little of the guitar shimmer which, along with Peter Hughes's gracefully swooping bass line, gives its album production a hint of 80s alt-rock. 18. This is the end of the main set. Daniel must be exhausted. The rhythm is more ragged than hypnotic, so this moment is something of a last stand. John's joined by Perry Owen Wright. Both are yelling, not in harmony, but finding strength in togetherness. 19. Some of this might be the vagaries of live recording, but here I have the sense of two people pushing on through. Getting towards your 44th minute of the rosary, you might feel like pushing on through is what's required. This is my 19th round. 20. By which I mean, my writing here is following its own ritual discipline. Previous instalments have loosened their belt a little. Call this penance. 45 sections of 45 words each, largely written in chunks of 45 minutes, with two songs and their two chords looping. 21. Jeanette Winterson grew up in northwest England, surrounded by an older generation of working-class Pentecostals who heard the 1611 Bible regularly at church and at home, and consequently quoted Shakespeare in the Bible, and sometimes John Donne, without knowing the source, or misquoting or mixing. 22. She fears that modern Bible translations have severed an easy, everyday connection between uneducated men and women, like her own family, and 400 years of the English language. I think about my granddad's treasury of quotations. I run a Twitter search. Mountain Goats of Vatican II. 23. I learn in the process that John Darnielle had a brief stint teaching the Catechism in the early 90s, which raises more questions than it answered. Unsurprisingly, he gave it up, having raised too many unanswered questions of his own to remain a practising congregant. 24. Some of those questions were political. His support of reproductive justice was one major sticking point. But like my parents, he sees being Catholic as separable from doing what the Pope says. I left the church a long time ago, but you're always Catholic, right? 25. When Pope John Paul II died, my dad, who says he feels like a vampire when he steps into a church, came home drunk from the pub and tried to light a candle for him. This happened in 2005, but to me, it's spiritual 2004. 26. Spiritual 2004 
is also when I went to Dublin for the first time since childhood and startled my mum with a comment made while walking back from St. Patrick's Cathedral. The journey back is always shorter. I was referring only to our perceptions of distance. 27. By spiritual 2004, I mean that between about 13 and 16 years old, I couldn't tell you what happened in what order. I was trying out many different selves. Each one must have shaped the next, but to me now they're a blur, a loop. 28. I have a song going round and round in my head, the closest I usually come to a devotional exercise. It's Whole Wide World, a chill-hop remix by an artist called Badger Blossom, hushed down-tempo beats, glacially phased guitar. It captures the slow way snow melts. 29. Fingers coming off the strings is a texture. Breathing out is a texture. Getting high after school, telling my nan I needed to lie down, I had concussion, I think I hit my head on a climbing frame, is a texture. Real arrogance burning inside. 30. I get off the school bus around 4pm and go to her house for about an hour before my parents finish work, almost every day for seven years. I help with her crosswords, and she tells me about Kind Hearts and Coronets, Rock Hudson, Alan Ladd. Does the spiral prove he left the past years dwelling for the new? Stole with soft step and shining archway through. 31. And straightening my hair, buying wide ties to look like Charlie from Fightstar, who used to be Charlie from Busted. I'm sitting morosely on the steps of Peterborough Guildhall with Liam. Painted nails and flaky pastry. I know from Instagram that he's since gone bald. 32. On a train to Newcastle, another awkward metalhead gives me her number on a slip of paper. She's seen me reading Kerrang! magazine. I take blurry photos of the time. Now I live here. On a ferry to Amsterdam, I watch closer with my mother. 33. I'm on the phone to this stranger in the passenger seat of a Skoda Octavia, immediately running out of things to say. I'm playing tennis, terribly, with a whole class watching me, laughing, from a forest green demountable classroom. It's been years since my last confession. 34. There are ammonites in the marble floor of the Queensgate shopping centre. When we aren't riding up and down the escalators for something to do, I look at them. Apparently the marble was sourced from Bavaria. Until now, I wasn't even sure they were real. 35. Ammonites were born with tiny shells, onto which, as they grew, they built new chambers. At unknown intervals, these animals, which my grandmother loved, would displace their entire bodies into the newest outermost chamber, sealing off the old living quarters they'd since outgrown. 36. Another text that's been circulating in my head. The Chambered Nautilus, by Oliver Wendell Holmes. In Holmes's intricate poem, the shell's frail tenant continually upends his dim, dreaming life, leaving the past year's dwelling for the new, stealing with soft step its shining archway through. 37. Holmes presented this movement, in religious terms, as the progress of the soul towards freedom. Holmes also expelled three black students admitted to Harvard Medical School in 1850, after a group of white students and alumni objected, one among his own life's many chambered cells. 38. I tried a few years ago to write a shape poem about a nautilus. 
Shell, 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 self. Thirty-nine. I've also been trying and failing to find another Dunnelian document, a poem that I know exists, that I read a few months ago, that no longer seems to be anywhere online. Its mysteries now behind a veil. It's called An Atheist Praise the Rosary. 40. Somehow I'd never noticed before that something else happens in the 40 Watt Club performance, off mic, after they scream praying the rosary, something I couldn't catch until Tease McKenzie, a friendly stranger on Facebook, clarified it for me. The Lord is with thee. 41. I don't know the last time I recited a Hail Mary. I don't think I know the words anymore. To John Dunneel, in this moment, it feels as if they were present instinctively. He doesn't make it to the end, but the song does. 42. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. The hour when we have to account for our actions, like, say, shooting somebody in the face at a liquor store. The rosary here is immediately followed by the moment of reaffirmed transgression. 43. The film of Brighton Rock ends with a loop, a skipping record on which Rose, Carol Marsh, listens to Pinky saying over and over, I love you, I love you, I love you. She doesn't, yet, hear the cruel things he recorded after. 44. Stardom never came for Carol Marsh, though she did appear as Lucy in the 1950s Hammer Horror Dracula. I'm looking at a picture of her in her 80s, smiling with another of the Count's victims at a 2007 reunion. I hope she enjoyed her life. 45. A rosary ends at its beginning. An ammonite moves forward. A spiral is not a circle. But a prayer lifts up from the rounds of repetition towards clearer air, where we will recognise each other, the way we really are, the way we've always been. This episode was written and produced by me, Richard O'Brien. Most of the songs featured in this week's entry can be found on the Spotify playlist at the bottom of the newsletter. Thanks to John Daniel for letting me quote from his songs. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that one of the earliest of these was about a theological dispute between Polycarp and Marcion. The sources of all other quotes are given in the show notes and linked directly in the Substack newsletter. You can find me on Instagram at 30 underscore years underscore later or on Twitter as at NotRockyHorror. If you like the show, you can always leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help more people discover it. But if that's not on the cards for you, word of mouth always helps, so please tell your few remaining friends. This week, Richard is getting into the first affogato of the year. <laughs>